Moses reminds the children of Israel not to forget God when you're filled with blessings. Don't forget how the soles of your shoes never ran out and the hems of your garments never ran out. I think this is the sense that Agar is speaking here. Do not forget God when life gets good. Today in the Songtime broadcast, we'll continue our study with H.B. Charles Jr. as we're looking at this prayer of Agur, talking about how to pray with restraint when we're going before God, seeking His will, because His will is always what is best for us. Stay tuned for that. But first, we're joined once again by Nick Tucker as we're looking at the attributes of God and His nature of being all-powerful, but also the ways in which His character and his nature limits the things that God can do. Stay tuned for that as the many voices come together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. All week long, we've been talking about doctrine and theology, in particular, the omni-attributes of God, that he is all-powerful, meaning that there are no limitations to the power of God, but also that God is omniscient, meaning knows everything, and that he is omnipresent. He is everywhere present all the time. But there is another attribute of God that is actually crucially important in all of these, in light of all of these, is that he is immutable, that God cannot change. Our guest today is Nick Tucker, and he's written a book called 12 Things God Can't Do and How They Can Help You Sleep at Night. So, Nick, let's look at a few of these attributes of, of God, the, these limitations, I guess you would say, that, that God cannot change his mind and, and that God cannot uh, suffer or be lonely. Uh, when you look at all of these attributes of things that God can't do, they, they don't pale to the, the power of God in any way, but in fact, they give us comfort that God is restrained by his own character, his own attributes, and that is what helps us to sleep at night, as your subtitle suggests. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that comes from personal experience, say, I guess, what, like 12 years ago, my younger brother died very suddenly on his honeymoon. Hmm. And what became apparent to me was that the, the place I was going to, to cope with that and to deal with it, was, was actually my doctrine of God. It was, you know, this knowledge that God is unchangingly good, you know, un- unsearchably and unfathomably wise, and, um, you know, that he doesn't change. So that I, I, could, I could kind of say to myself, and this is, this is basically what I was preaching to myself, was, you know, Nick, don't you, that when, when you see him, you will know that he's never put a foot wrong mm. uh, and that he has... He has done right. He's always done right, and um, and I think that actually, you know, that, that God is in the end the one certainty in all of reality. He's the one genuinely unchanging uh, and trustworthy thing. And so, I'm not that God's a thing, but he, he, I think you know what I mean. Um, and and so, yeah, the idea is very much that as we get to know God and think about these things that He can't do, like changing His mind. Say, if God makes a promise to you. It's not going to say to you tomorrow, yeah, actually, I've had another think about that. Um, and, you know, or I got together with my team and actually we were, we were hashing out some different angles on that one. You know, he's not going to do that. He, he, he makes a promise. He will keep it because he doesn't change his mind. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you could riff on any of them here, I think. Uh, but the, the, the point I think that you're making is so crucial. And I, I, I'm glad you shared your own personal experience because I think a lot of our listeners 
have been through experiences that are very similar and they've had those mm-hmm. same questions. And that is where our brains really struggle to to trust in God because we ask us, why would God allow good things to happen or bad things to happen to good people? And that's hard for us to fathom because, mm-hmm. and the core of that is because we've kind of think God is obligated by our principles, but God's obligated by his own principles. Mm-hmm. And that this is a real test of faith to whether or not you actually believe that God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he will do. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, it just it just strikes me that the, the more the more we get to know God, the more we understand, you know, my ways are not your ways, says the mm-hmm. Lord. He, he, he is just so different from us. So, because everything we know is limited, is we see it from a particular perspective. We have limited access to information. You know, we think we know. I mean, you know, uh, over the last two years as a church leader, you know, just realizing how little I know, <laughs> you know, just how, how limited my understanding of what the right thing to do is. Uh-huh. And yet, you know, God is never unsure of what the right thing to do is. But I, but I often think, well, I know exactly how God ought to fix this. Like, you know, if only God, if only you would do this, you know, and so, so often my prayer life is, is, you know, it sort of degenerates into trying to give good advice to the God who already knows everything. Yeah. And um, rather than casting myself on his mercy uh, and just, and, and, and in a sense saying, look, I know you know better than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that's a real, if, if that gets deep down into your soul, that actually helps you to cope with suffering. Yeah. I really think it does because because you can say oh, I just don't understand how this can be good. I don't understand how this can be right, mm-hmm. and yet somehow you are working out the best possible plan. What ultimately will turn out to be the best of all possible worlds, even though right at the moment in the depths of this, I cannot imagine how that's true. Mm-hmm. But I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? Is is that we haven't imagined God and we can't imagine Him. Um, our problems come when we think we can or when we try to. So we say, well, I, you know, if I can't imagine what God could be doing in this situation, he can't be doing good. Mm-hmm. That's not true. The question there is, if God, if God is really all-powerful, why doesn't he do this for me? But that doesn't diminish in any way that God is all powerful. It's His wisdom and His graciousness that doesn't uh, allow Him to to do what we want when we want because He sees the bigger picture. He He mm-hmm. has a bigger plan, and His plans are always perfect. So He is all powerful in those scenarios. Yeah. We just don't understand why God is doing it, but it doesn't limit His power or His His nature in any way. It just shows that we we don't have that perspective that He has. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. I-, I couldn't agree more. We've been talking with Nick Tucker. His book is called 12 Things God Can't Do and How They Can Help You Sleep at Night. If you'd like to find out more information about his book, you can give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. Or you can head over to our website at songtime.com. A whole bunch of really great resources there. But all of this comes in in this light of thinking about theology and doctrine, the importance of theology and doctrine. We need to have these uh, rails for the train so that we don't get off track. It's so easy to, to get off track when we take our eyes off of Jesus. So I'm doing my best part, I think, to, to, to teach and bring theology back into the mainstream. Uh, today, I'm going to go get my prime rib sandwich, and afterwards, I will be propitious 
That is a theological word that I am trying to teach the little kids in my church to know and understand. Because uh, if you can teach a kid to to know what Tyrannosaurus Rex means, then you can teach them complex words like propitious. It means satisfaction, that Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. So I believe that I'm doing my part. I'm trying to bring back these rich theological words into our common vernacular, another big word, vernacular, so that our our understanding of theology will be deeper and richer and greater. Uh, all year long, we're going to be breaking down various doctrines, and uh, this week, talking about the omnipotence of God and understanding how he is limited by his own attributes. That is a great resource. We want to make it available to you. So if you want to find out more information, please give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. Well, today we're continuing our study with H.B. Charles Jr. as we're looking at the prayer of Agur. As he prays to God, uh, you know, don't give me uh, too much. Uh, don't give me too little. Give me just the right amount so that I won't uh, so that I won't deny you in my distress, but also not too much that I'll forget to thank you for your blessings. Here, H.B. Charles Jr. teaches us a vital and important lesson about restraining our prayers to pray with the mind of God because He knows what's best for you and me. Here is H.B. Charles Jr. It is not that Agur did not want anything. He is praying here with a sense of dependence upon God. We see that as he fleshes out the request with his rationale in verse number 9. He speaks here of the perils of prosperity. He says, I don't want riches because I may become full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? In Job 1, 6 through 12, Satan suggests that Job only serves God for what he can get out of God, and if God stops providing, that Job would curse God to his face. Satan was wrong about Job, but he's right about people. There are many people who only serve God for what they think they can get out of him. And connected to that is the prayer of Agur here that suggests that there are those who are finished with God when they get what they want from Him. He says, I can get full and start asking, who is the Lord? This is not a sincere desire for the knowledge of God. It's sarcastic arrogance that suggests, why do I need God as long as my stomach is full and my bills are paid and my wants are satisfied? Remember in Deuteronomy 8, Moses reminds the children of Israel not to forget God when you get into the land of promise, when you are filled with blessings. Don't forget when you were in the wilderness how God took care of you, how the soles of your shoes never ran out and the hems of your garments never ran out. I think this is the sense that, that Agar is speaking here. Do not forget God when life gets good. On a special occasion some years ago, my wife planned a nice dinner at one of our favorite restaurants. She was going to get me a big piece of meat. It was Sunday after church, and uh, our young nephew was going to church with us, and afterward we were taking him home. And on the way, we asked him, was he hungry? 
He said he was. He asked us to pick him up something. What do you want, Damage? And he says what most little kids act, take me to McDonald's. So we took him to McDonald's. We had time to kill, so we didn't go through the drive-thru. We went in. We were going to let him play for a moment and then get his order and take him home to his mother. We ordered. He got his cup and went to go fill it up, and the lady asked, is this all for your order? And then my wife and I looked at each other with a knowing look. We didn't want to mess up our appetite for the big dinner we had planned, but we could smell those french fries. Uh, So we we just kind of agreed. We'll just share a thing of french fries uh, since we're here already. And when we got in the car and she is pulling off, I reach into that bag first and grab me a few of the french fries and a voice came from the back and said, stop it, uncle. Don't eat my french fries. I said, D, these are not your french fries. These are my fries. Your fries are still in the bag. And moments later, there's a whimpering from the back seat. My wife, Crystal, asked him what was wrong. And in tears, he says, Uncle HB is eating all of my french fries. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm not happy about this now. I'm, I'm a little upset. And I sternly say, son, these are not your french fries. I told you that. Your fries are in this bag. These are my fries. And since you want to be that way, let me remind you that your fries in that bag are my fries as well. <laughs> I bought those fries and you wouldn't have them if I didn't pay for them. But, but how often when things in life don't go our way, Do we forget that we wouldn't have anything that we enjoy if it were not for the goodness and the mercy and the kindness of Almighty God? Do not forget God when life gets good. You know, when I think about prayer and the the many things that we're tempted to pray for for ourselves, we know that God sometimes tells us yes, and sometimes tells us no, and sometimes he tells us to wait. Those are the basic answers that God gives to us. And all of them are good answers. I'm reminded of the the story of Amy Carmichael. She was a missionary that uh, prayed when she was a little girl that God would give her blue eyes. So she'd pray at night before bed. And the first thing she would do when she woke up in the morning was to run to the mirror to see what color her eyes were. They were brown. She did this for a long time, prayed over and over and over again that God would give her brown or blue eyes, and she grew despondent with God. But eventually, she matured, she grew up, and became a missionary. And part of her ministry was to rescue uh, women who were sold into slavery. And to do so, she had to paint her face brown and pretend to be a native so that she could sneak into uh, the, the orphanage and, and take those who were being sacrificed as, as human sacrifices. And she acknowledges that after all of those years, what she had prayed for would have prevented her from doing what God had planned for her in the long run. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. We can look back and see that God has been faithful, even to give us no's to the things that we wanted, to tell us no to the things that we prayed for in the past. But as a result, he has given us the blessings that we have today. Or maybe there's a blessing in the future that we don't even quite know about yet. God is so wise, and God is so good, and he's so gracious to not give us exactly what we want, but to give us exactly 
what we need. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, if we would only learn to trust in him and to follow him every step of the way. I hope that we've been able to encourage you, and I hope that you'll be an encouragement to us. Because this is Thursday, it's Prime Rib Thursday, and we're talking about prayer and daily bread. I'm praying for you to support the work of this ministry and send us, uh, send me a Prime Rib Sandwich. Your donation goes to the Prime Rib Sandwich Fund. It keeps me going here at Songtime. And it's only made possible by your generosity. So write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call, 508-362-7070. Let us know that you're sending in your money for that uh, Prime Rib Sandwich Fund. And you can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll wrap up our study with H.B. Charles Jr. looking at the prayer of Agur and understanding how to pray with the mind of God for the blessings that he has stored up for you. My ethics, my integrity is tied to the name of God. He says, I don't want to practice situational ethics where my integrity is shaped by what I think I need in the moment. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it.